Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Bake with Legend offer fans of the Great British Bake Off the chance to bake alongside their favourite stars from the show. If you're planning a special birthday, a hen party, or perhaps in charge of your next work social, why not get in touch with us to discuss arranging an event for you? We also offer Bake with Legend at Home, where one of our Bake Off alumni can come and lead a baking class in your own accommodation. Just imagine that, Howard or Jane coming round and teaching you afternoon tea. For more information, visit bakewithlegend.com or email info at bakewithlegend.com. Do you imagine that Howard just just grasping for something and immediately being transferred to Marrakesh? I don't know. I've never been to Marrakesh, so I don't know what it tastes like. But <laughs> yes, it's very difficult for you to know. It is really. I, I, I mm, yes, Whitby. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Bait Down podcast. My name is Josh Landy, the founder of Bait with a Legend. I'm here with the fantastic. Jane Beadle and Howard Middleton. We are reviewing Pastry Week in the Bake Off tent. Howard, once we've done this podcast, we're only going to have two more. Can you believe it? Two more. We're basically, you know, semi-final stage is amazing. Oh, it is. Do you know, we were talking uh, last week, weren't we, about uh, how I can only dream of having got this far in the competition. But yeah, no, I will. But I'll, I'll miss. Well, I always miss Bake Off when it's finished. Yeah, um, a big hole, cake size hole, hole in the week. Am yeah. I right, Howard, that Pastry Week was after you? Was that the week after you? So I'm interested. Yeah. You done loads of prep for Pastry Week because you never got to do it. No, we. I mean, we had both a, a sort of pies and tarts week, which was basically pastry, um, and then we had another Pastry Week, which I didn't make it to. Uh, oh, and I'd been, I had I had done practice for it. I remember as well, I was doing these, I think they were Blackberry Meal Foy uh, that was that I was due to be doing in, in Pastry Week. And I'd ordered two big bags of these freeze-dried blackberries. And they just sat there for, for months afterwards until I finally plucked up the courage to actually do something with them. 
because I'd got them there, you know, for that week in the tent and it never arrived. Oh. That's a sad story. It isn't is it? a sad story. Oh, yeah. Howard, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Jane, you did have pastry week and you came first in your technical in, in pastry week. Your, oh. your bake will tart. I, I remember it well. Was, I think that's probably the only time I came first in a technical. Yeah, but bake well, bake well tart um, with a feathered icing top. Yeah, a good um, week. I liked, I liked pastry week. To be honest, I mean, it's, it, it has its issues, and I seem to remember it being very hot in the tent, which gave us some problems later on. Um, but no, I, I love pastry. Mm. I like pastry in all its forms. I, if I had to eat pastry for breakfast, lunch and dinner, well, apart from I'd be clinically obese, um, I would be very happy. <laughs> and, the, and just remembering from, from your episode, you had 24 breakfast pastries you had to make, and you went for some orange panorazons. Raspberry chocolate and almond Danish, lovely. Yeah, the 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 pan raisin a, a particular favourite of my husband's. So in any shape and flavour, and there was a bit of cardamom in the dough there. The raspberry chocolate and almond Danish tasted all right, but I went for a really weird, if I remember rightly, um, a really weird construction and put too much filling in. You know, always the problem when you're doing mm. pastry, always putting too much filling in, so they burst apart a bit, and I expected to be get a real grilling from Paul about it but actually he was very nice unusually well, well there you go well thank you as always to everyone who's been listening to the podcast and telling all their friends about it we really appreciate reviews and they uh, they do help with the podcast ratings so do feel free to to, to take a moment and, and leave us one we'd be very grateful this one came from rocks 89 I love anything that extends Bake Off a little longer, and this podcast is great for this, featuring two lovely ex-Bake Off contestants who are opinionated but always nice about it. The podcast gives you an extra insight from two skillful bakers. Well, that's nice, so, isn't it? I was just wondering who the two skillful bakers Well, that's myself and Jane. Howard. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> and the ones that are always nice, Howard. <laughs> opinionated but always nice. We, we've had a, uh, it's a very good edit. <laughs> we've had a couple of questions in, and the first one here, comes from Anthony over in America. It says, hello, Jane and Howard. How do you recommend one gets a start in studying and understanding baking beyond simply recreating recipes found online? Can you recommend some books or websites or tutorials that will help learning the basics? Since watching Bake Off, I've tried my hand at baking, but haven't the slightest idea how to ratio my ingredients appropriately for the desired flavour or texture. Where do I begin? Jane, where, where does Anthony begin? Well, I'm, I'm going to push a lot of this over onto Howard because he can tell you more about the ratioing. Because it is, well, <laughs> he's laughing now. Um, because it is it is tough. I mean, it's basic maths, but if you're talking about round tins and square tins and trying to ratio between those, it gets quite difficult. But, but there are plenty of places you can go online. And as far as, um, you know, flavours and textures, it is just experience. I think for the likes of Howard and I, you know, I'd, I'll certainly sit here going, oh, I really fancy trying out these combinations. And I know how the ratios work between butter, sugar, eggs, because it is very much chemistry. And then I will tweak my flavours. So I think the more you bake and the more you follow recipes, 
the easier you will find that. I mean, I'd been baking for since the dark ages and had never made up my own recipe before I went on to Bake Off. And now, if anything, Bake Off gave me the confidence to experiment. I still put some stuff in the bin because really, if you make a mistake with a cake, it's usually unrescuable. Um, But it's just experience. So just keep baking. There's nothing wrong with using other people's recipes. But say it's a, say it's a Victoria sponge and you want to pimp up the flavours, start putting orange in, start putting fruit in and before you start tinkering with the basic proportions of the other ingredients. And the more you do it, the more confidence you'll get and the less failures you'll get. You'll still always get failures, um, but the, you, they will become less and less and the successes will become more frequent. Howard, I, I like this question because it's showing that people have been inspired to go into baking from watching shows such as Bake Off, and I think that's fantastic. Have you got anything to add to, to Jane in terms um, of advice? No, not an awful lot. I think I think um, Jane's made some really good points. I think I think I started off on the point of view that if you've got um, a recipe or a few recipes that you've tried and tested yourself, um, ones that work in your oven, because obviously ovens can vary as well um start with that and then um work from that in terms of adapting it so uh, as jane suggested you know take out something and put something else in its place um if it's something with sultanas in it try it with figs or or prunes or whatever um but there are some websites out there that are really helpful um where if you want to understand a bit more about what an egg does to your bake and what will happen if you add two eggs to it or take one egg out. Um, You know, have a look at those websites, which will help you, I think, when you are trying to adapt recipes as well. And just going back to, to recipes, trying other people's recipes, not all recipes work. I cannot cannot get a certain very famous baker's with blue eyes whose name she'll you know we won't mention i cannot make his hot cross bun work for me harking back to bums bun, bums last week buns last week and so if you make a mistake or it doesn't work and you've tried it two or three times it, it's it might not be your fault it might be the recipe so i know with the with both of you you'll be asked to send your recipes i know how you were telling me about some that are on the great british chef's website do you check it and check it again just because if you've left out something or there's a you know the the wrong measurements how many people out there are going to be getting it wrong and have you ever sent it off to someone and then you've had feedback and realized you've made a mistake oh yeah and i've i've read recipes in the past where we i've worked through them and it's probably got something in the ingredients list and then you look through the method and you think i've not actually said at what point you put that in so you have to you have to be really really careful and honest if you've missed something out, missed a step out or missed an ingredient out, make sure that you correct it. You'd agree with that, Jane? Oh, absolutely. And um, what I do is if I send somebody a recipe, I, I, I will have always made it at least three times if it's a new recipe. And I, if I've typed it up especially for somebody, which I very often do, so I, I just throw these things together and somebody then asks for it. So you have to then make sure that what you remembered that you did actually works. I'll say, if you notice any glaring errors, Mm. just let me know because it's just like having somebody proofread your recipes. Um, And you do see, you do see it 
quite frequently on websites, if you read the reviews of some recipes, people will point out that there's something missing or something didn't yeah. work, and then there's a correction issued. We're just human, and we try and bash them out as quickly as we can so people can make our gorgeous bakes, um, but we do make mistakes, well, and it's fine to point them out. Anthony, I hope that was helpful to you, and uh, good luck with uh, your baking. You can keep us updated, and uh, feel free to let us know how it's all going. Now, listeners of The Bakedown will know we've been asking you for your self-raising selfie story. This is where we wanted to hear about opportunities you've had to meet Bake Off stars, or maybe you've just bumped into them. Um, do keep sending them to us. It's uh, The Bakedown at bakewithalegend.com. Um, I want to thank Mark Bryan uh, for sending in this one. He says, thank you for your wonderful podcast. I've been enjoying so much. I recall a previous self-raising selfie story mentioning meeting Richard Burr in Acosta in London, I've only ever met one Bake Off contestant, Janet, from Series 2, and that was in our local Costa in Formby. <laughs> and what Mark wants to know is, he says, do all Bake Off contestants hang out in Costa Coffee? And is that where I can find more of you? And I noticed in doing some research into this that Prue Leith was the key judge for the Costa Book of the Year Award. Wow. So how would Jane tell us all, if we want to sort of bump into more Bake Off stars, do we head to Costa? Is that true, Howard? I, d I, I don't think it's just Costa. I, I must admit that I a lot of people do do spot me in, in either Starbucks or Pret or places like that. So maybe it's just generally places where you can buy tea and coffee and, and cake. And cake. <laughs> Jane, is there a Costa local to you in Faversham? Uh, 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 no, we don't have a Costa in Faversham. Actually, we don't have many chains in Faversham at all, but we have an awful lot of lovely little tea places where you will find me, guys. Come come and test out our lovely local cakes mm. in Faversham. Um, yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Mark. If anyone else has previously spotted a Bake Off star, particularly in Acosta now, uh, <laughs> we would like to uh, to hear from you. And uh, it sounds like you're more likely to meet Howard in one than Jane. So uh, don't go looking too hard for Jane in, a, in Acosta. Let's talk about Pastry Week. And Howard, there's always these comments now from the contestants as they go into the week. And you had it again. Steph, I'm not a pastry fan. Rosie... I don't like pastry. Henry, I'll muddle through. I mean, pastry is a staple again of Bake Off. Why are they so surprised and why are they so not a fan of pastry? I don't know. It's strange, isn't it? I mean, maybe it is that people generally think of Bake Off as, as being cake and maybe that's it. But to me, it's it's much more wide-ranging than that. I, I love a bit of pastry. And Jane, you'd have presumably practised your, your pastry significantly? Yes, I'd just like to point out at this stage, because Howard pointed it out to me, that my mug that I'm having this nice cup of tea it's, has GM on it, and that's supposedly um, General Mona. So let's hope I'm not going to be too much no. of a General Mona this week. I would like um, to point out that was taken from a communal coffee cupboard here. <laughs> and it was in no personal. way it was not personal. No. Uh, what have you got, Howard, on your mug? Uh, it's, it's got all sorts. It just say me by me by me. By me. Look, it says politically incorrect. Politically inc oh gosh. There we go. Yeah. So we're going to be politically incorrect and moaning a lot. Okay. Um, go back to your question. You practiced your pastry significantly. I, well, I, I love. I absolutely love pastry. I think yeah. I said that at the beginning of the show. And 
it's putting my general moaning hat on now. I mean, it's not just that you're not a pastry fan, don't like pastry. We've had not very good at bread. I only started making it five weeks ago. We've had, um, what was the other one? Oh, I don't do desserts. I don't like desserts. This is the Great British Bake Off. If they're fans of the show, week after week after week, you're making bread, you're making pastry, you're making desserts, you're making cake. What do they expect? I'm sorry, guys. I love you all. And I've really got fond of you over the, what are we now, episode eight, over the last eight weeks. But stop moaning about basic baking skills. I mean, this is what you're on the show for. Isn't it? In danger of sounding like a Howard's hump there, Jane. Oh, General Mona, you shouldn't have given me this mug. No, you're right. (laughs) Well, look, let's talk about the signature. The challenge was to make a tartatin. They were told the tart can have any flavours or toppings, must be savoury, not sweet, which I imagine, Howard, we should pause here. That will please you, won't it? Oh, do you know I love this week? Yes, because there was so much savoury this week. It's like, this is the week I would have loved to have been a judge on the Bake Off, definitely. Well, they were told that they must use full or rough puff pastry and they must have good lamination and be perfectly baked. They were given two and a half hours to do this. Paul reminded them of the savoury filling that if there was too much liquid, it will soak down and have a soggy bottom and they wanted this light, flaky, golden brown pastry. So, Jane, just firstly, before we go into specifics about the different bakers, they all chose to go with rough puff pastry and not full. So just explain to all of us listening... Why do you think that was and why was that perhaps a, a more sensible choice for this task? You know, it, it, we always do this, don't we? It's always, is it rough puff or is it full puff? It's it's speed, basically, but there are various ways you can tackle this. I love making puff pastry uh, if I have the time. There's nothing wrong with buying shop-bought. So rough puff, basically you get, you can rub in your butter or whatever fat you're using, um, but not rub it into its fine breadcrumbs. And then you use the folding technique in order to distribute that butter. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the fat in in layers so that when it bakes, the moisture in that fat creates steam and puffs up between the layers. Technically, I think that's how it works. You can grate your butter on rather than flatten it out. I... Do you know, I'm really lazy baker and I don't bother to flatten out my butter because really I want to keep it as cold as I can. So I slice it very thinly. I, I think what's the difference between that and mm. batting it out between two bits of cling film, which I don't like to use, or or baking parchment, um, and then just folding. And I'm also equally lazy and want things to happen really quickly. So instead of doing one fold or one turn and then chilling it and then another fold and another turn and then chilling it. I'll do two or three at once. If my butter's cold, I can do that because you don't. what you don't want to do is overwork that butter and, and get it melting. The trick, I think, is the longer you can chill it at the end, mm. the, the better it is. It won't start oozing out. So for me, I can do my puff pretty quickly and I can do a full puff pretty quickly, but then I've been making puff for years and... and and really like it and I still get very excited when it puffs up in the oven but for, for most of them if they're not as old as me and they're um, god they're most of them are at least half if not three times a third of my age rough puff is probably a very good way of, of going for them yeah it almost seems safety in numbers going mm. with the uh, the rough puff pastry approach this week so Howard let's look at the specifics and before we talk about Henry's crab tomato and new potato tart ta-ta he has gone with this tie. 
every single week. It looked like Paul Hollywood was sweating during this episode at the heat. And everyone is talking about how hot it is. He's got this tie. I'm not quite sure if a top button was done up, but I assume it was. It's remarkable. There will never be anyone like him. No, and, and I think... Because I don't think he had a tie on in the first week. I no, think he didn't. this was something that he, he decided in week two. Yes. Uh, and then I don't know whether it, it's it's just like a lucky mascot or whether he felt that this helped create um, a bit of a persona. But I don't think he needed the tie. I think we've said before, he's, he's still got such a wonderful personality i don't think it rested on the tie no and so alice next to him or it looked like they were next to each other or near each other in the tent with her fan on her face oh yeah it's like it, it's strange though because i remember when I, when i uh was was filming bake off um i went in a blue shirt in in week one and then used to arrive uh because we were we were filming uh near bristol and used to get into Bristol and sort of think, I wonder if I need a new shirt for to, for the filming this week. And um, treated myself. And then the other baker said, oh, you can't wear anything but a blue shirt. And you sort of get into that. Superstitious. Oh, yeah, it's like, you know, they this had become now part of my image on screen that I had to have a blue shirt on each week. Dear listener, Howard is wearing a blue jumper today. Yes, certainly is. Blue is his thing. (laughs) He is blue. Jane, let's talk about Henry's actual uh, tart tat What what did you what did you make of it? To me it looked it looked neat, very neat potato placement. I I liked Henry's turn of phrase when he said the sog. But little can be done about that now as a reference to the, the soggy bottom. And Paul, when he was giving feedback, said he wanted to see more caramelisation on the potato, a nice colour underneath, and he said the flavours are, are, are delicious. Um, and Prue had been very positive as well, good lamination. She liked the crab on top. What did you make of it? Oh, gosh, I am really going to sound like a general moaner this time. Yeah, I think he did a good I think he did a good, did a good job, and, of course, we can't taste it. That. Tomatoes, I thought, were a good idea to roast them off in the oven to get rid of some of that juice. And he used little uh, cherry tomatoes, which is a, a nice idea, and then sandwiched them between layers of potato. Um, not many of them actually caramelised everything in the pan, I, yeah. I think, did they? Um, as I would do if I'm making an apple one. I thought it was. I thought it was great. I thought it was. I didn't particularly want to eat it because potato and pastry together are not my thing. I know some people like potato in pastry. But just looking forward to some of the other bakers, Henry, they seem to really love it with the crab. Wasn't this a great idea to put the crab on? I think Prue said, if I'd known in advance that Henry was going to do this, I would have said, no, don't do it. But actually, I would have been wrong. And then for some of the other bakes... They didn't like the fact the stuff was just added on top. And with David's, well, maybe David should have put his topping on and and then they wouldn't have judged him so harshly. So I think at one point Prue said, but we're not judging that. We are judging the tart tatam. But I feel they judged Henry's on the crab as opposed to on the tart. It's just all about consistency of judging again. Now, yeah. I wouldn't mind having a slice of it, and I love mm. a bit, of, I like crab. Um, but I'm just, again, I'm, I'm just, the thing that has irritated me through the series is the inconsistency of judging. Um, and, and you definitely got the fact that everybody loves Henry, and, and we do. And, and right from week one, I've always declared that Henry is, is a particular favourite of mine. But that you shouldn't use that in the judging criteria, and I felt that they did. 
just going on what you said there, Jane, Steph's goat cheese, which was just sort of placed on top, that did receive a little bit of criticism. So is that what you're you're Yes, so she had the criticism for that. Um and I I've got other things to say about Steph's bake. Um and then David knew his was going to be a little bit dry and, and had it for the and for the reason that he wanted to keep the pastry crisp, but supplied something to go with it that I think at one point he said that Paul wouldn't eat. Maybe he should have piped piped that mm. on at, at the top. I, I I just feel that Henry was was judged on adding the crab onto a tart that perhaps would have felt a little bit dry or a little bit bland with the potato, but the the crab lifted it to something delicious. And then they didn't take that into account on some of the other bakes. That's what I that's what I felt. I mean good on Henry. I think, you know, a lot of people would love to have eaten it. But what are you judging it on? That's my feeling. Howard, to me, Alice's looked the visually perhaps most impressive, just with that lattice, you know, that she managed to do. But on the other hand, she got some mixed feedback, didn't she? Because Prue said that she was disappointed it doesn't look caramelised. Um, Paul had said that there was a nice colour underneath, but it was a little soggy. So it, it was mixed feedback, but visually I thought it looked great. It did look great. I, I, I thought it was clever, the idea of, of um, sort of weaving the leaves, and it did produce a, a lovely finish. Um, I, I agree that it didn't look... It was quite green, it, you, you expect it to be golden and amber and, and wonderfully caramelly looking. And um, it was lacking a bit in that, I thought. Jane, do you agree? It was just lacking the X factor there to make it into a into something really special. Oh, I, I think so. The, the danger of having such thick vegetable on there, it, it leaks are very wet and I think had she made her lattice, cooked them, made the lattice and caramelised that in the pan, it would have got some of the the liquid off and then put her other toppings Mm. on just to get rid of some of the moisture from those leaks. I loved the idea. I thought the lattice looked brilliant. Mm. You know, what do they have, two and a half hours? They should have all, while their pastry was chilling, had time to get a reasonable caramel on their vegetables and had she done that she she perhaps wouldn't have had quite such a soggy pastry but visually you know she could have got the blowtorch out I suppose and just finished it off or stuck Mm. it under the grill but not that they had the time but I liked the idea and it's something that I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to give it a go. I wonder whether some of them actually and maybe they weren't permitted to do that but whether if you had a little jug of caramel to be able to just pour over a little bit on top as well just to give it a bit of a caramel finish i think i had enough time because yeah. i know pastry takes a while but while it's chilling you've got two and a half hours the, the chilling the pastry is the issue but two and a half hours to get some caramelization on your vegetables i think mm. there was enough time i don't think they were particularly short and when time is always an issue but i don't think as far as the caramelization that shouldn't have been an issue Howard, we saw with David once again going to his links with Bulgaria and he ended up probably a bit disappointed with his his feedback. But did Paul confuse some burnt bits with what were the purple carrots? I think so. I think they did have a dark colour to them, but obviously if you started off with purple carrots, they're sometimes called um, black carrots, 
so they do have they naturally have that that dark color the thing that that threw me with david's was what he'd put on it looked like hundred not hundreds i'm exaggerating but a lot of capers or something on top it did was it capers or was it walnuts what were they? I don't, I don't know. know. It did look like capers. Oh, because but... there was, uh, yes, there was the comment about his nuts, wasn't there? <laughs> there was, I think, yeah, his nuts may be a treasured gift. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> actually, yes. They did, didn't they? <laughs> they did end nuts up looking. Some notes, I made that note as well. <laughs> they did look a little bit like capers. Yeah, so I, I was yeah. with, with you on thinking they could have been. <laughs> But overall, not the feedback he'd have wanted. And Prue made almost a cutting comment, I, I thought, Jane, about that it shouldn't be saved by the sauce um, because she obviously liked the dip that he went with but, you know, felt that that was what was saving it and it should be, you know, based on his ta-ta-ta. Exactly. So my, my point about Henry is I would like to know whether his was saved by his crab. You know, if you're going to judge Henry on his lovely crab, you can't say to David it shouldn't be saved by the sauce. Howard, let's just talk briefly about Rosie. She went for this uh, shallot, aubergine and goat's cheese um, spice tart. Ta-ta. Wasn't the best feedback she eventually got from Paul. Looked a bit charred, a bit wet underneath, soggy bottom. And Prue said, yeah, thick pastry and a lot of garlic. This wasn't perhaps her finest. No, uh, it wasn't. I mean, it, she definitely got that caramel colour on there, but it was... Um, I think a lot of the darkness was coming from this, uh, the black garlic. So, have you used black garlic? No, I've not no, used, used it. It is. Um, I feel I'm a little bit behind things that I ought to get some black garlic in into something. We're still waiting for your beignet souffle. So, if you want to bring them in, could wait a long yeah. time for black garlic. Black garlic. <laughs> I'm not great into black food. I think going back to bread week when we had all that charcoal oh, powder. Charcoal, no, I just yeah. you know you say black. I just had black carrots. I can't be doing with it. Purple potatoes, no, thank you. Jane, I sense that before we move on to talking about the technical challenge, you might just have another comment on, on Steph's. Mm. The, uh, the moment uh, with yes. her I enjoyed was where she, she snoozed her alarm. Did you see this? It was almost like she'd just, you know, woken her up and she, she smacked <laughs> it down because she wasn't happy with how things were going. Well, basically, I thought it was a really, really, really boring tartan. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Steph. I'm I'm sure it tasted absolutely delicious, but I thought it was really dull. Do you think that's a little bit of, it's getting to a serious stage of Bake Off, you're trying to win a place in the semi-final, is that a safe tartata? Basically, it was caramelised shallots. And at the end, she probably thought, oh God, that's just a bit dull. All I've done is shallots. What else is there? A bit of thyme. I'm going for a cheese and onion one. Oh, I forgot to put any cheese in. I'm going to slap it on top. It really wasn't a very challenging, was it? I, I, she's done some extraordinary bakes and she seems like an absolutely lovely girl and brilliant baker. Come on, at a quarterfinal stage, you don't just caramelise shallots and throw some goat's cheese yeah. on the top. Okay, well, let's turn our attention to the technical challenge. They were instructed they were going to make a Moroccan pie using Walker brick pastry. And the instruction was they were going to make 12 very thin sheets of Walker pastry wrapped around a perfectly spiced filling. And they were given two and a half hours to do this. 
And Paul made the comments that consistency really mattered in this challenge. It's a bit like making phyllo mince pies, layer on layer on layer, made with walker pastry. So walker is quite a loose batter made on the hot plate. If it's too thin, it'll disintegrate. If too thick, it'll be like a pancake. So he wants it to be crispy, but to hold everything together. And Prue asked him, would he have given this challenge if he knew the weather? And he said, absolutely. He he would have still done this if he knew it would be so hot in the tent. So obviously difficult conditions, as we mentioned a few times during the series. And Prue said that when you put it into your mouth, it's Marrakesh. And this was, of course, her testing out the one that, that is made for them. <laughs> Could you imagine that, Howard, just, just grasping for something and immediately being transferred to Marrakesh? I don't know. I've never been to Marrakesh, so I don't know what it tastes like. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very difficult for you to know. It is really. I, I, I mm, yes, Whitby. Was <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, a chance to know more about Whitby from from David later on. <laughs> have you ever had a Moroccan pie, then, Howard? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And, and whether it has that authentic taste of Marrakesh or not, I don't know. But I would know. Well, you're going to have to go to Marrakesh to I, find out and to remember see the taste. It tastes like that. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've never been to Marrakesh either. So we'll go together. Yeah, yeah like we'll just stick it on expenses then. Maybe we should move this uh, podcast onto Patreon or one of these <gasps> platforms that allows people to donate. Maybe we can try and fundraise for your trip to find out if <laughs> yes. your Moroccan pie really tasted of Marrakesh. Well, let's um, let's talk about this. It was a, it was an interesting one, a little bit different. Just the the method of of how this was made, and it seemed to me, Jane, there was an element of sort of trial and error particularly at the beginning as they were going to make the first sheet to make the second and then they sort of get into their stride maybe step aside which we'll we'll come to talk about this was certainly different and uh, and interesting Uh, yeah i think so i'm going to have a go at this because it it reminds me of people doing very thin um crepes Mm. and you 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 can see on telly sometimes where people are coating a plate um looked hard um i've looked it up actually if anybody does want to look it up i spelt it wrong i thought it was just walker w-a-l-k-e-r as in white walkers but it's not it's spelt w-a-r-q-a walker and we say brick pastry but it's very often spelt b-r-i-k as well Mm. so we're if if you're going to look it up and you look up walker's pastry you get a lot of ads for pork pies which is obviously not what we're looking for yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. I wouldn't mind having a go. Um, frankly, I would probably not do it too often, but I'd like to experiment just to see how it works. I make a Moroccan pie with lots of lentils and things in, and it's quite spicy. And I always use phyllo. Um, mm. It looks like you use this in the same way. I just think it's it's quite an interesting challenge. I, it doesn't always have to be terribly practical. It's just enlightening you on what else there is around there. I thought, yeah, made a nice change. I do feel sorry for them with all the steam coming off their pans if the temperature in the tent's over 80 degrees, which it mm-hmm. looked as though it was. But that that's always the challenge of the tent. The weather isn't what you want when you want when you want it, really. Uh, and Henry said he was going to get naked. Well, yeah, I, I wanted to, to... I'm glad he didn't. That I wanted to discuss felt, this because... It felt very bad. If he'd have honoured what he said, I think he would have done because he mm-hmm. said, if anyone knows what this is, I'll get naked. And then we immediately saw David saying he didn't know what it was because he'd seen it on a travel programme. That would have made it a very different show. Although, yeah, it's not on After the Watershed. So I don't think it's probably for the best that... If if it was Henry just in a tie running around the tent, that would be a a completely different show. We we will (laughs) never know whether that actually happened and has just been edited out. Yes, I I think it may happen. Do you think so? Poor Henry. (laughs) 
<laughs> Henry running around. Um, no, we imagine that Henry very much kept his his tie very fixed in place, along with all the rest of his. <laughs> Do you know? I've been, I've been to a party where they had something called Baker's in the Buff, and uh, not Baker's. Sorry, Butler's <laughs> in the Buff. <laughs> <laughs> Baker's in the buff. Butler's in the Buff, and they wear a, they wear a bow tie and cuffs. Listen, and Jane. I'm we're not up... going to talk about this. Sorry, I'm, I'm up for new ideas about Bake with the Legends <laughs> yeah. as much as you are. We do our public classes. There's hymn parties. There's team building events. There's, there's Bake with the Legend at home. Bakers in the buff. How, how old are you in? I know we should probably discuss this not during a podcast, but are you in for the new venture? I I, I don't think so because I've I've often said that when I first told people that I was doing baking hen parties, and somebody said, "What do you wear?" And I said, do, do you just wear an apron? And it's like, no, because actually I want repeat bookings. I don't. <laughs> so, yeah, David knew what it was. That's a, it's got to be a bit of an advantage, Jane. I mean, he's, he's a bit familiar with what he's hoping to make it. Yes, always uh, an advantage if you've got at least some idea of what it would look like. He didn't say he'd ever made it, but he'd seen it on a travel programme. Yeah, that just goes the more experience you have, no matter how obscure, all those little bits will help you mm. in the tent. So if anybody's thinking of applying, and I think the application form is online, um, do, and then just get practising. Well, David, the, the oldest remaining member of... Uh, yeah, of how Bay old Club. is he? Oh, God, he's ancient, isn't he? No, well, not, not at all. But, you know, he, he knew certainly what it was from his travel programme, and, and ultimately, you know, he won. He's had a really great colour, he was told by Paul, crispy, a good base, and Prue... I think what set it apart was how well it held, you know, even when very hot. That was what she was very impressed with, Howard, that it sort of held together so well. It did. It, it, it cut beautifully, didn't it? So I think it was a very impressive, well-deserved. It did look absolutely delicious. Uh, just one point at the beginning. I don't know. Did we know that Rosie's vegetarian or anything? I don't I don't know that we do. Um, but she said at one point, I've never cooked chicken before. Mm. So just a query, if Rosie is vegetarian, this would have been a really hard challenge for her because she wouldn't have been tasting the contents of that pie. And it was all about spice and balance. Well, mm. I mean, it was about the pastry, but it was also about the spice and the balance. So do we know if Rosie is vegetarian? It's an and interesting if so, one. It would have been hard for her. And the fact that she did very well in the challenge, yeah. it's all credit to her. Yeah, as she said herself, her meat is usually alive in in the, in the vet world when yes. she's trying to cure it. Although I was, there was that comment, wasn't there, from Noel when looking at this chicken, which was very much in her pan, asking if uh, Rosie would be able to resurrect it even from that condition, uh, which I suspect might <laughs> might anger a few vegetarians or vegans oh. watching the watching the show. But that aside, I I'm really loving the conversations between Rosie and Noel. Because he's so yes. off the wall, isn't he? And she seems just very... She rolls with it. She does roll with yeah. it, but she also seems... She doesn't try and beat him at it. And he's, yeah. she seems quite innocent about it. And um, it's really growing. The Rosie Knowles show, I think, could be a new series. Mm. I think. And I like it. I mean, Rosie seems so concerned, didn't she, Howard, that hers had exploded. And yet she ended up second. Yes. Yeah, and that's a testament it to, I guess... It seemed to be a little bit of, of sort of pulling together of it, didn't there? As, as if it had been reconstituted into a more more pie-like shape when it reached the, the judging table. <laughs> I think she had done a little bit of, 
remedial surgery on Pushing. Yeah. yeah, maybe she did. She's trying to bring the chicken back to life. Well, in her own words, she said she didn't know how she got away with it. No. So well, well done to her. And of course, David finally getting this first place after so many second places in the in the technical. But Henry struggled. Is that is that fair to say, Janie? didn't quite get this right. I mean, he didn't have to do it naked, so he was relieved about that, but he, it didn't massively improve. And you know, there was a massive bleep from young Henry when his pie shattered that, uh, oh, I was upset about, certainly. We've had a few bleeps with Henry, haven't we? Which is nice to know that he is human. Yeah, it just didn't work for him, did it? It just, both him and Steph, I thought, really, really struggled. And it's a shame. I, I Sometimes in the tent... Something goes wrong and you cannot get yourself out of it. If you were at home, you'd go away and have a cup of tea, sit down and start again. You can't do that. Um, And I think both of them got themselves into a a bit of a mess and didn't quite know how to pull it out of the bag. Steph was a bit teary as well, wasn't she? I thought, which we've not really seen. We haven't seen that at all, no. no. You don't know... You don't know how the filming schedule is and or what's happened to them. Like, you know, Alice last week had got lots of stuff going on at work yeah well, you know, it, certainly not the first i think michael a couple of weeks ago certainly had got yeah you know, similarly emotional and I, you know steph had said she was just that was a big fear about not being able to present something but it didn't even come bottom i guess in the end and uh mm. yeah she spoke didn't she going into the break about how relieved that she was and then there was this lovely moment of henry who you know we have all perceived as this kind of altar boy Ahead of the showstopper where he said he feels a bit like Jesus awaiting crucifixion. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe he uh, well maybe he was right to uh, to see what might have been forthcoming. This week's episode of The Big Down is in association with our friends at Seed and Bean Chocolate. Seed and Bean truly live on the wilder side of taste, creating adventurous, botanically inspired flavours using only 100% organic ingredients. If you head to their website at seedandbean.co.uk, you'll receive 25% off your purchase using the code THEBAKEDOWN when you check out. So before going into the Showstopper Challenge, Paul and Prue had said that there had been all sorts of changes in terms of who maybe they expected to be in danger and their summary seems to suggest that David aside everyone could potentially be going and uh, Sandy made this comment about how nerves might come into play given we are getting to the you know the late stages in the competition but the showstopper challenge was to make this stunning vertical pie they wanted a large pie base with decoratively shaped pastry arranged vertically supporting at least two further pies and they were told the fillings can be savory or sweet and you can use any pastry you like they were given four hours for this. So Paul clarified they want three pies uh, stacked on top. The the choice of pastry said was critical. The pastry must be thin enough to be delicious, firm enough to hold it all together. He wants to put a knife through and hold its shape. So an interesting challenge, Jane. Where do you think you'd have taken this? Because we saw watercross pastry, didn't we, for Henry, Stefan and Rosie. What, what would you have done? She could have used a combination of two. I was thinking about this, actually. I would have gone for lighter stuff on the top and probably something heavier at the bottom. I, I don't know, looking at the bakes, I don't know how much they were allowed to prop stuff up. It looked as though Steph had got quite a lot of props and Rosie hadn't got enough. But I was thinking, well, if you're using pastry, you could have done some nice little shoe-filled pies. Would that count as a pie? They seem mm-hmm. to call pies anything this this series, so I'm sure we could have something with shoe and probably the watercrust 
hot water crust on on my bottom pie. I do like a good hot water crust. Um, it is hard, however, to get it thin because you have to shape it when it's still quite warm. Um, and there's always the as as we saw, there's always the um, the risk of getting it much too thick. I and mean, I think there were a few people that got it too thick this time. I just thought it was. There were some absolutely stunningly beautiful creations. I thought they were so creative, perhaps with the exception of Henry, <laughs> who's upside down chandelier. I didn't really, wasn't mad about. Um, but it's just one of those challenges. You know, you, you want them to look like complete works of art. You mustn't have your pastry too thick, and yet it's got to hold up a couple of other pies. It's more an effort exercise in construction and then yes. they all got ripped to shreds for not mm. having great fillings or great great pastry i i like to see a good showstopper i like a bit of creativity but also it's got to be edible and mm. and i felt that they were trying to do this with their hands tied behind their back a bit um, howard would you have gone short cross pastry a mix of pastries here and uh, who's sort of most appealed to you i probably would have gone for as Jane said, certainly a hot water crust um, in a supporting role yep. and then looked at whether there was uh, something lighter, a short crust or... or um, I, I suppose, technically, if you'd got time, a little bit of phyllo wouldn't have gone amiss. I was thinking particularly on, on David, um, he, he'd got an absolutely beautiful definition to the waves in his pie. And there was some criticism of the fact that he'd left his pies open, but he'd got this wonderfully creative way of of using a, a pastry cutter to put the scales on fish. Yep. Jane and I were saying earlier he could have probably put more fish on top to have created either a, a, almost a, um, a covered pie or a semi-covered pie. But I'd, I, I think he'd just got paper as his little uh, sails on his boat. And I wondered whether that would that would have been an opportunity to have got a little bit of phyllo sales or something. Yeah, but trying to make phyllo as well as all the other in the time, I think phyllo's notoriously hard, isn't it? I think it? you could have had a bit of bought phyllo, couldn't you? Do you if, think if you're going to put paper on, couldn't you have said the decorative purpose of that's mm. a bit of... That's so you could do a savoury sable or something or, on, or a savoury tool. Or the walker, it could have done the... Uh, or we could have brick. done the walk. He yes. could have done the brick pastry. Yes, he could have done that. Mm. Probably been quite a good one. Jane, what did you make of him leaving his pie open? Paul didn't seem convinced about this. <sighs> no, again. Oh, gosh, I'm sounding like a cracked record. Um, as gen she really don't give me general Mona mug next week. <laughs> when we had... What week was it? Twenties uh, week. We had custard pies. Now, there's a lot of talk about is it pie a tart or a tart pie. But if they're calling that a custard pie, it didn't have a lid on it. Mm. So there shouldn't be criticism of him for not having a lid on these pies because they have set a precedent mm. on the custard pie week. For me, I would have liked to have seen a bit of a top, whether, as we said, you know, cut out some extra fish and put them on the top or a nice little bit of lattice. I think it would have looked prettier than that open vegetable. Um, mm. But I loved the idea of David's. I loved the, the wave motion and the construction. It wasn't too complicated. It just told, a, I think that somebody said it, it told a nice story. And I, I agree, I would have liked to have tasted it i thought i thought it was very creative just just needed a lid on it for me to just mm. finish it off just visually not not technically but visually so how let's talk about henry's pie in more detail what did you make of his flavors because he 
reflected that they were his mother's palate's choice. So he went for chicken and ham and chocolate pecan and mixed <laughs> spice pie. He didn't get great feedback. I'm just looking through it here. Paul said that the he, he thought dry leaves on a pie does not look good. He said the pastry is very thick. There's rawness in there. It needed to be paper thin, but it's bone dry. And the moisture is coming out quite a bit at the top. Um, and then when it came on to that chocolate pecan and mixed spice pie, he said he wasn't getting those tastes really through. So he thought the idea was there, but it wasn't executed to the best of Henry's ability. I, th- I think there's there's probably some truth in that. I mean, I I I thought it was unusual to have chosen that combination of both uh, savoury pies with sweet pies. There's a sort of Cornish pasty tradition of of trying to have both sweet and savoury in in one pie. So there's some history there. But I have to take exception with Paul on this when he said uh, you needed that pastry paper thin. I don't think you have paper-thin hot water crust pastry. No, you don't. It's always got a a certain thickness to it. And even if you have a a pork pie or a a savoury pie of some description, actually having a little bit of softness on the inner edge is not necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, it's. I think it was too thick, but you're never going to get it paper-thin. No, I agree. You'll never get it paper thin. The the softness on the inside of a pork pie, and I love a pork pie, I always think is because of the gelatin has gone in and has softened it. With Henry's was raw and it was very thick and raw. It seemed like timing was an issue for Henry because he spoke about how an hour and a half was going to be fine for what he needed to do. And then the next seconds we found out they only had an hour left and there seemed to be a bit of panic on his face. So he just... Again, probably not for the first time this series. He just sort of ran out of time, perhaps, to get it, you know, as as precisely and as brilliantly as he hoped. I mean, he, when he was cutting out what I assume was supposed to be his chandelier's crystals, he said, "Oh, you know, you can have as many or as little on on a chandelier as as you want." I didn't think the crystals looked very crystal-like. I thought they were very, very simple. Um, mm. You do see weeks where people run out of steam, and I think this was Henry's running out of steam, to be honest. Let's just talk about Alice's treehouse, because that, that was quite impressive as, as well, I thought. She'd made this tree trunk out of pastry for the treehouse, and ultimately Paul said it was an exceptional design. But he used this phrase, Howard, about the pastry being tough as old boots, and even Prue took issue to, to that <laughs> phrase. She said it wasn't quite you know that bad, but uh, yeah, she didn't think there was quite enough sweetness in the filling overall. Yeah, I, I mean, I think sometimes the judges and Paul in particular have to say something that's a little bit excessive. It's just what's expected, isn't it? But, you know, tough, tough as old boats is a bit a bit rough, really. Isn't harsh. It? it is harsh. A little bit harsher for Alice, but uh, enough to see her through to the uh, semi-final overall. Um, Jane, a quick comment on Steph's, maybe. She had this uh, carousel pie. What did you make of hers? And it was a reference to her love of curry. Uh, yes, her love of curry. I, it sounded the filling sounded delicious. I must admit, and it did cut absolutely beautifully. When I looked into Steph's, it was quite again simplistic. I think by the time you got your little horses on, yes, that made it look like a carousel. But basically, it was if the criticism on Henry's was you just stack some pies up. This was you just stack some pies up and you've cut out some pastry horses. So I just don't think when I look at the, on the creative level, when I look at Alice's, 
yep. or Davies. Alice's, I thought, was spectacular. Okay, so perhaps it didn't taste as great. I, I didn't. Again, I thought Steph fell short on the creativity. Now, that could be getting to week eight and you're running out of steam a bit uh, because without a doubt it is tough um, to, to get to week eight and still manage to keep your levels really high. I'd quite like to eat the pie. Um, and, and going back right to something I was saying earlier, are we looking at beautiful creative construction or are we looking at yummy mm. bakes? So hers would seem to be a yummy bake, but without such a great construction. Others, Why are they setting challenges that are almost unachievable, I think? You can't have both on, on something like this. Howard, in terms of just Rosie's end, finally, she'd gone for this Rapunzel Tower and she'd gone for making nine pies altogether. What did you, what did you make of hers? Because she seemed to think she was going to be on her way home when this all sort of ended, it seemed to me. She she thought this is the end of my journey. I thought it looked brilliant. I thought it was I thought it was a really uh, really lovely looking bit. I loved the little the, the the sort of castellated edge to to the pies and things like that. Um and the details that she put on there. So I, I really loved it. You know, I mean she needed the help of Sandy, didn't she, to to get it over oh, to yeah. the and I, I, I was waiting for the dramatic fall, but it didn't come. No. They did manage to get it over. And the feedback from Paul was that the design was amazing. The pastry was too thick and should be thinner. Um, a good curry flavour, but he felt the filling was a bit bitty and, and falling apart. It's time for Howard's Hump. Eight weeks in now, Howard. What did you find from this week's episode that gave you the hump? Oh, it was... I, I mean, we should be used to this by now, but it does infuriate me when, when Paul's doing his kind of uh, walk around the tent alone and he won't talk to people. So Henry this week was was asking him uh, if he would if he likes a meaty pie and Paul just stares at him. Uh, without speaking and I think what is that about there used to be um I'm old enough to remember crossroads which used to be used to be a tv soap and uh, occasionally they would have people who weren't being paid uh, to speak so they would come on as extras and then someone would say and that's um and that's five pound exactly and here's your change and, and things like that <laughs> And they'd, uh, and I just think that Paul's a bit like that sometimes. What is? Does he need a bit more money to actually speak to the bakers? So that so, was yeah, your hump. Yeah, just please. I, I don't know what this is about. Where he can he can talk to? He's allowed to talk when Prue and Paul go around and see the bakers individually. But then if he's on his own, he can't talk. And I just don't understand that. I was thinking your hump this week might be connected with him taking some of Henry's food. Did you did you enjoy that moment? He sort of, I think it was some ham, wasn't it? He just went there oh, with he was his hands. Yes. Yeah. Although I think in, in previous series, judges have done that. I think Mary Berry helped herself to quite a bit of Francis's asparagus or green beans in one. Oh, did she? Yes. Yes. Certainly Mel and Sue in yeah. my year used to eat quite a lot of ingredients that are lurking on benches i thought henry took it in great spirit he sort of started offering it around seeing if anyone else needed it didn't matter if he ended up with a terrible uh, you know a terrible pie at the end of it 
And Jane, in your role as judge here, we need your opinion on Steph getting Star Baker once again. I think it should have been David. I think David Pipter at the post, I think he was that bit more creative. So I, I, I'm sure her flavours were absolutely lovely, but judged on a very high standard this week, I'm not sure that it warranted Starbaker for the fourth, fourth time. time. Absolutely amazing. Chasing down, was it Richard Burr's five? Yeah, there's that's that. the record, so sh- I think. I think Richard holds the record, doesn't he? And and we should say that we mentioned the hat trick Steph got in uh, in a previous episode of the podcast, and it was highlighted to us on Twitter by one of our listeners that our very own Ian Cumming, who who does classes of Baker the Legend, has also got a hat trick of Star Baker. So yeah, sorry Ian for for missing that yeah, out. How can we forget Ian, who yeah. is not only an absolutely gorgeous human being, but a fantastic baker as well. And very inventive, always his classes, always uh, always a little bit different with his gadgets that he, he likes to bring with them. So yeah, congratulations, Steph, but perhaps, David, a little bit unlucky. So that is the uh, the end of our podcast. A reminder that every Tuesday morning we're putting out on our social media, which is at Bake With A Legend on Twitter and Instagram. And if you search the words Bake With A Legend, you will find us on Facebook as well. We are asking you to predict the star baker and who is going home. And you have to say it's getting easier each week, isn't it? As the number of options go down. So we'll be doing this for the final time next week for the semi-final week. So if you do want to enter, anyone who gets it right enters a competition to win a voucher to come to one of our classes. Uh, we do have many classes, particularly in London, coming up over the next seven or eight weeks. If any of our listeners coming over from America want to come to a class, we'd love to see you. We always enjoy having American guests as well. So thank you for listening. If you do have any final questions that you want us to answer in the, the last couple of episodes, do get in touch. It is thebakedown at bakewithlegend.com or you can tweet us at bake. The legend. You just heard a stripped media production. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 